I don't know about you, but I like to discover things. I, I like to find things that are new and unique, and, and uh, man, it, 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 it messes with my brain, and I love it. When uh, Callie and Zane were little kids, we, we found these Where's Waldo books. Do you all have Where's Waldo? Do you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you've ever seen a Where's Waldo book. They're usually pretty big books, uh, picture books. I love picture books. Right? I don't know what it is, but, but the deal is on every page, usually it's on both pages, there's this picture like you see up there with people and things, and it's real busy and crowded. But Waldo, who's got the round glasses, and he's always dressed the same with that same little beanie hat on and uh, red and white striped, uh, clothes. He's in the picture somewhere. And, and the discovery is finding Waldo on the page. And I can remember with Callie and Zane, we would spend literally hours looking through these books and finding Waldo. And the cool thing is, once you find him and see him there, you think, how did we miss that before? Why, why didn't we see it? Because it's so obvious when you discover him and see him, there he is. We still have all these Waldo books, and, and sometimes, even though the kids are grown and Callie's gone, Zane's, you know, he's, I'll go find the Waldo book, and I'll just do some meditative study right there, read, because I still like to discover things. Here's my prayer for you this month in December, is that you discover Jesus, that you find Jesus. You know what? You can find Jesus Throughout the Bible, from Old Testament to New Testament. He's not just in the Gospels. Jesus is everywhere in this book. And not only is he everywhere in the book, Jesus is everywhere today. In fact, we have glimpses of Jesus all through the Bible. I did a series not long ago, maybe a year or two ago on Wednesday nights, of finding Jesus in the book of Genesis. And it is amazing how many times we see Jesus Christ in the very first book of the Bible. And so I'm not at all surprised to find Jesus in the Old Testament book of Joshua. We're going to start with Joshua 1.1 and kind of look at that verse and then several other verses in the book of Joshua today. Here's what it says, Joshua 1.1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said this to him. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would say something to us today and help us to find you. Lord, there may be someone in this room today that has never discovered Jesus. They've never found the solution to the problems they have in life. May they discover you today, Lord. May they find in you salvation and freedom and a home in heaven. Lord, for the rest of us, may our hearts be encouraged today to know that you're with us and that you're in this place and that you live in our lives and that you give us power for life. I pray that you would speak to us through your word. And as I try to speak on the outside, may your Holy Spirit speak to our heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I've been a Christian a long time. And I know for sure that there are times that most of us are plagued with these little arrows of doubt that come soaring into our heart about the truthfulness of the gospel and our faith. How do we know that the Bible is really true? How do we know that Jesus Christ is God-made flesh? What proof do we really have? Well, here's what Jesus said. If you want evidence 
to know that I am who I claim to be, then you need to search the Scriptures. That's what Jesus said. Search the Scriptures, for they talk about me. And the Scriptures that Jesus talked about, of course, were the Old Testament. Because they are the only Scriptures that Jesus had in his day. And then on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, he said this to some doubting disciples. How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus is tracking through the Old Testament, giving them example after example and verse after verse that was written about him and his ministry. Church, I'll tell you this, this book, the Bible, is all about Jesus. This book from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, is God's plan of salvation. It is the good news of salvation. And Jesus is at the very center of that. Someone said that Jesus Christ pervades the Old Testament just like salt pervades the ocean. And if that is the case, then we should see Jesus in the Old Testament. And I am not at all surprised that I've discovered three pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament book of Joshua. First, we see Jesus in Joshua himself. Joshua was a type of Christ. How do we know that? Well, because our Lord Jesus Christ was named the same name as this great Old Testament leader. The name Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. Did you know that? So Jesus was named after this great leader of the Old Testament, Joshua. But the cool thing is, Joshua was not his real name. It's not his original name. He was given this name later on in life. In fact, go back with me to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to read a story here where Moses was sending out 12 spies to go into the land of Canaan, the promised land, and to check it out. And so from every tribe, 12 of them, he chose a leader, a man who would be a spy to go look in the land. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord. All of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names. I'll skip down to verse 8. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. Look at verse 16 now. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Wow. Now why did he do that? There were 12 different men. He only changed one of their names. He only gave one of them a nickname. I'm not going to call you Jason anymore. You're going to be Billy Bob. Yeah, well, not quite like that. But it's pretty cool to me. This, this one dude, this one spy, had his name changed by Moses. Now, why in the world would Moses change 
this guy's name. A lot of commentators are mystified over that, but really the two names are, are very similar. Hoshea in the Hebrew means, may Jehovah save. That's what Hoshea means, may Jehovah save. Joshua, on the other hand, means Jehovah is salvation. So his name went from mean, meaning, may Jehovah save, to Jehovah is salvation. To me, it, it's, it's pretty clear why Moses did this. Moses did this because God wanted to strengthen Hoshea's name to make it more solid, more durable, more certain, more dogmatic. As a personal name for the coming Messiah, Jehovah is salvation. Here is the one that God is going to bring salvation through, Jesus Christ. Jesus is salvation. Jesus' name is above every other name. His name means salvation. That's what the name Joshua, Jehovah is salvation. Jesus is salvation. These two men not only shared the same name, but they also had a similar task. Joshua took over after the giver of the law, Moses, died. And he led the people into the future that God had planned and designed for them. He led them out of the wilderness into the promised land. He, he, was, he was a kind of savior for them. He gave them a new life, a new future, a new hope. Well, let me tell you something, folks. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus took us from the slave market of sin and has given us a new life. He has taken us from the law and has given us salvation and freedom. Jesus has given us a new life, a future, a hope. And we have that life, that future, and that hope through the name that means salvation. Jesus, salvation. So the two dudes have the same name. Joshua, Jehovah is salvation. Jesus, he is salvation. And I pray that you know that name today. It, it Really, it, it is my heartfelt prayer that you have called on the name of Jesus to be saved. Because he's the only one who can save you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one is going to get to heaven except that he come through me. His name is above every name. Do you know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord? You need to make sure you do that before that day comes. All right? There's another picture of Jesus in this amazing book of Joshua. Second picture of Jesus is, is found in chapter 2. And it's all wrapped around a coil or a rope of scarlet thread. It's found in the story of Rahab the prostitute. Now, I love Bible stories, and, I, and I've just got to tell you, this is one of the most amazing stories that is in the Bible to me. Uh, the children of Israel are, are right on the brink of going into the promised land. They are on the east bank of Jordan. Uh, they're massing and getting ready for the invasion. But Joshua, being this wise and shrewd captain and leader that he was, still needed some inside advanced military intelligence. And so he, he sent a couple of spies into the land to check out the promised land and specifically to check out Jericho. 
Well, they entered the city of Jericho, but something went badly wrong and their covers were blown and the city authorities mobilized to find them and execute them and get rid of them because they knew they were coming. They knew the Israelites were coming and they knew spies were in their city. And so they sent out to the military to find these guys and to kill them, get rid of them. Well, it, it's pretty cool how all this happened. These two guys end up going into Rahab's house, a house of ill repute. Rahab was a prostitute. And here are these two guys, these men of God, these men of God are going into a harlot's house. Are you getting the picture? It, isn't it cool how God does things? God's always got a little twist on things, doesn't he? Here, cool side note to this, God can use anybody. Okay? And God, God loves to take twisted people and use them for kingdom purposes. And we're going to find Rahab throughout the Bible reappearing. Her offspring and her lineage leads up to Jesus Christ. She was an amazing woman. And so these two spies went into her house and she knew who they were. She knew the invasion was coming and she feared God Almighty. And so she hid these guys. In the attic of her house, really in the roof that was made of straw of her house, she hid them. The, the authorities came, knocked on her door. We know these spies are in here. You turn them over right now. And Rahab said, well, they've climbed out the window. They're already across the valley into the mountains. But if you pursue them quickly, you might catch them. And so they took off. She was not only a prostitute, she was an A number one liar. All right? She's pretty good at it. Really, she had hid these two guys in, in the roof of her house. And so when evening came, she, she went up there and got them out. And she said, okay, I know, I know the deal. I know the skinny here. I know that y'all are coming. You're going to invade this city. I know you're going to destroy this city. But I'm saving you. I'm going to set you free. And when I set you free, I want you to remember me and save me and my family. And she had this scarlet rope cord made of scarlet. It was red in color. And because she lived on the city wall, she let that rope down one of her windows. And she said, okay, you can climb down the rope, head that way because the authorities went that way. Hide in the mountains for three days and then you can go on. But when you come back, I want you to remember what I've done for you and I want you to save me. Well, the spies responded. Listen to what they said in chapter 2, verse 14. The men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, and she dwelt on that wall. And she said to them, Go to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there for three days until the pursuers return. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours which you have made us swear unless when we come into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers and all of your father's household into your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street his blood shall be on his own head, and we're going to be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if his hand is laid on him. And then down in verse 21, she said, 
According to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. And then the amazing thing happened. The Israelites came in. They marched around Jericho for six days one time, didn't do anything, kept silent. Seventh day, they marched around, marched around seven times. On the seventh time, they made all this racket, and the walls came tumbling down. Everyone in that city was killed, except for Rahab, her family, those who were in that upper room where the scarlet thread and rope was hanging from her window. Guys, let me tell you, this is a major picture of Jesus. Can I tell you something? Remind you, judgment is coming. Okay. Judgment is coming. The Bible says that the world is about to be invaded by the judgment of God. Acts chapter 17 verse 30 says that God now commands all men everywhere to repent because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man, Jesus, that He has ordained. And when that day comes, there is only one place of safety. There is only one place of deliverance, and that is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember when the children of Israel were still in Egypt under bondage? God sent the plagues to the land of Egypt. The final plague was the death of the firstborn. The death angel was coming. And the firstborn of all livestock and all men would die. The death angel would take their life. But he had redemption and salvation for the children of Israel, the Hebrews. He said, take the, the Passover lamb and slay it. You'll boil its meat and eat it in haste. But take the blood of the lamb and mop it on the doorpost of your house. And when the death angel comes across the land at night, he will see the blood on that house and will pass over that house. And no one is going to die. Can you see the similarity with Rahab the harlot? These spies said, here's the deal. You will be saved, but everyone in your family has to be in this upper room. And the scarlet thread, the rope of salvation, has to be hanging out of the window. If you're not in that room with that rope hanging out the window, you're not going to make it. But if you're in the room where the scarlet rope is... You're going to make it. And let me tell you, when judgment comes, there's only one place of safety. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Reminds me of that old song we used to sing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Can I say to you, there, there is nothing like the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that can save us. Hmm? But can you imagine? Can you imagine the transformation that this made in Rahab's life? Now she is diligent about the task of getting her family into her house. That has become her main priority. That is her business now. To get her mother, her father, her brothers, her sisters, and all of their children into that upper room. That was, her, that was her life. That was the most important thing. Because she knew if they weren't in that house of safety, they were going to perish. 
If they weren't under the crimson rope, they were going to die. It's the same kind of passion the Apostle Paul had. I'm reading through the Acts of the Apostles and I'm seeing how Paul was led from city to city. But no matter where he was or who he was with, he was telling them the good news of Jesus Christ. His greatest motivation and aim is that all men be saved. Do you see the parallel for us? Do you see the impact this should have on us? We should be diligent. It should become our passion that our friends and our family members and people we don't even know are in the ark of safety, that they're under the blood of Jesus Christ. I want, do you have that passion for people? I mean, I don't know about you, but I have people in my own family that are lost without Jesus. Am I diligent to pray for them? to witness to them, to talk to them. There are people who live on Cary Lane, my street, that if Jesus Christ came back tonight, they would go to hell. They're not under the blood. Am I being diligent in witnessing to them? I run into people every day. Not physically run into them, but I'm with people every day who I know need the Lord. Guys, let me tell you, it should be our passion, our driving force to witness because it's only the blood that can save Oh, preacher, you know, I've, I'm, I am a, a witness with my life. I do good things, and in, in my life and my action is my witness. That's great. That's fantastic. But you know what? Sooner or later, you've got to open your mouth. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to ask them, are you a Christian? Do you believe in Jesus? Will you accept his sacrifice for the remission of your sins? What a beautiful picture of Jesus' salvation. The scarlet rope the blood of Jesus. But there's a third appearance of Jesus in the book of Joshua, and it happens in Joshua chapter 5. I believe it is a special pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus himself. Maybe this is one of the most unusual scenes in all of the Old Testament. After the Israelites have crossed over to the Jordan River and prepared to fight for the city of Jericho, the Lord himself, Jesus Christ Himself, the Son of God, left the throne of heaven just for a few minutes to impress something upon the one who would later be his earthly namesake. Jesus Christ came down in the Old Testament and appeared before Joshua. Let me read this story. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And so Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? But he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord have to say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And so Joshua did it. Wow. A couple of things I want you to notice about this encounter. The first thing is the strange commander. I mean, who is this guy? I believe that this is the, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus himself. I believe that Joshua was standing before Jesus Christ. And by pre-incarnate appearance, I mean that Jesus Christ came down to this earth in the form of a human being 
before he actually became a human being in the gospel account of the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ being God has always existed as God. He existed in the Old Testament times. In fact, the prophet Micah tells us that his comings and goings are from old, even from eternity. We're also given indication in the Bible that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit remain invisible, but one of the jobs of God the Son is to manifest the presence of God in creation. That's why John chapter 1 verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, which is the Son, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. So there are several times in the Old Testament when we get glimpses of the physical, literal appearance of Jesus Christ prior to His birth in Bethlehem. Theologians call these sightings, uh, give them a special name, Christophanies. It's a Christophany. Jesus appears in the Old Testament. And so I believe this is Jesus, the commander of the Lord's army, with a drawn sword standing there. And he encounters Joshua. Second thing I want you to notice is the strange message. When Joshua realized that he was speaking to the Lord himself, he says, Well, what message do you have for me? What is it you want me to know? Now, I would have thought the commander of the Lord's host would have given him some kind of great military instruction or strategy. Here, here's the way you beat your enemy. Or maybe some kind of great spiritual insight on leading these people. But no, the only message is this. Take off your shoes. Because the ground you're standing on is holy. Really? Wow. What did that mean to Joshua? More than that, what does that mean for us? I think you have to go back to chapter 1 of Joshua, the introduction of the book. In the initial set of instructions that God gave to Joshua, he reminds him of his constant abiding presence. Look what God said to Joshua, chapter 1, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, Joshua. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Then notice what he said in verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua, I got this, man. What he's saying to Joshua is this. Joshua, for 40 years, you've lived with my presence visible before you. I was in the pillar of cloud that led the children of Israel through the desert. When that cloud moved, you moved. When it stopped, you stopped. I was the column of fire that appeared at night over the tent of the holy place. You could look out your tent and see my presence in that fire. I was with Moses. I literally spoke to Moses. He saw me face to face. He was my voice to my people. But Moses is dead. The column of fire is gone. The cloud is gone. But Joshua, I want you to know, I haven't gone anywhere. You can't see the cloud. You can't see the fire. Moses is dead, but I'm still alive. 
And my presence is just as real and just as near and just as powerful as it ever was. And Joshua, one more thing. The angelic armies, the host of heaven, unseen, are hovering over you. Heaven's host is with you. And so wherever you are, Joshua, it's holy ground. Because I'm with you. Now guys, that's awesome. That is awesome. Because it means this to us. If the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior, if we have trusted His name, which means salvation, if we are under the blood of Jesus, which is the only way to be saved, if He is our Lord and Savior, He is with us. He is in us. He's before us, behind us, beside us. He's in us. Therefore, wherever we are is holy ground. Because God's there. So if you're sitting in your living room, it's holy ground. If you're in your bedroom, it's holy ground. If you're at work, guess what? Where you are is holy ground because Jesus is right there with you. If you're in your car, Jesus is there with you. That's a game changer, man. <laughs> to recognize and know Jesus is with me. This is holy ground. And so Joshua went forth with a renewed and newfound confidence, knowing that even if he could not see the Lord, the Lord was there, present, hovering near, with divine armies ready to fight on his behalf, just as Jesus is with us. Remember what Jesus said right before he ascended? He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What hope? <laughs> what good news? Jesus is with us. And so we see Jesus in Joshua through the man Joshua himself, whose name made him a prototype of the coming Messiah. Jehovah is salvation. Through the scarlet cord signifying the saving power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the mysterious captain of the armies of God, whose presence is near us. Whenever Jesus is with us and wherever we are standing, it becomes holy ground. These three glimpses of Jesus in Joshua were given over a thousand years before Jesus showed up as a baby in Bethlehem. So today, today I'm asking you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. His name, His blood, and His presence are available to you right now. They're a free gift. So, would you call on the name of Jesus? Would you receive His forgiveness through His blood? And would you take comfort in the fact that as a child of God, no matter where I go, Jesus is with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that that would sink into our hearts this morning. Lord, for the one who needs to come and be saved, may they come and call on the name of Jesus and be saved today. For those who are just going through a tough time, Lord, I pray that they would come to the altar and realize that right here they're on holy ground. Jesus is here. Jesus knows. Jesus cares. Jesus has the answer. Lord, I pray that our church would rally together today and pray for Adopt-A-Family and the, the big events coming up in December where we get to reach out and touch people with the good news 
of Jesus Christ. And then, dear Lord, at the end of this invitation, I pray that we would rally around Nathan and Shawnee and Devin and pray for them as they begin their new ministry here. I love you, Lord. Have freedom to work in this service and in our prayer time. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to stand and ask, ask you to stand and ask you to come.